Welcome to the Evolution Sports Podcast, and this is going to be Volume 8, Part 2. I'm your host, Andrew Ferraro, my co-host, Dave Sanders. Uh, we're going to dive right back in with our uh, guest, Steve Finn, talking right now. We're going to talk NCAA football, the national championship game, and where we think that's going to be heading uh, next year and beyond. We talked on the open a bit about the national championship game, and that was pretty incredible to see what Clemson did. Um, pros on all sides of the field. I know some articles came out yesterday and it was talking about the top 25 pros and a bunch of different sites had different players that were in that game, which just speaks to how many um, are on each of those teams. They're pulling in four and five star recruits every year. Um, so I guess what stood out to you guys just besides the final score? Well, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, I really thought it was amazing how Clemson's defense, um, you know, I, I really haven't heard them getting the praise that they deserved, uh, you know, all year. And especially with, um, you know, didn't have their, one of their defensive tackles went out with that whole scandal. Right. So, uh, you know, I forget, I forget the guy's name is like number 94 or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, so to, to have that, to have him go down and have them talk about how that was such a big deal and going to impact the front line and how Alabama was going to be able to run the ball all over them with Damian Harris. And, and I mean, it, you know, Alabama did. They did they did put up some pretty decent numbers on rushing, uh, especially compared to what Clemson did. But, um, but I really thought how Clemson's defense shut them down completely in the second half, scored three points in the second quarter and then zero points in the third and the fourth. Um, that is just lights out defense. And that I think that's really what impressed me the most, as impressive as the 44 points was. It was the 16 points that they held them to in pretty much three shutout quarters. Yeah, we've never seen Tua look mortal like that. Every game mm-hmm. he's holding the fourth quarter because they're up by so much. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, I'd say so. I think a lot um, – it almost reminds me a bit when uh, Peyton Manning and the Broncos were in the Super Bowl and it just gets away from you. Uh I think Dabo has spent the last uh, probably really at this point four years pretty much preparing for that game every year. Um, like I said, I think two two did look mortal. Couple, you know, that first pick six, he was threw it a little bit behind him, but I think it's one of those things on tape they realized he tends to throw before they come out of break. So if you sit there and read it, recognize it, boom, you can make a break on it. Um, that's where that first pick six came from. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if he if he doesn't throw the pick six there, they drive down. Next thing you know, we don't miss a, miss the chip shot PAT. Um, you know, you change Uncle Momentum around a little bit, so Uncle Mo changes on your side a little. bit. I think it's a whole different game. I really think I was talking about this with some coworkers today. If you play this game ten times, it's probably five five. Uh, they're both incredibly good teams. Um, I was laying on Twitter, you know, last night during the game. They talked about when you take a look at these rosters, there's probably fifty to sixty NFL players on there. Uh, which is insane. You know, you're, if you're talking 50 players between two two squads, even if you say they're what 85 scholarship players, but yeah, if you're going to take 25 off each, and that, that's insane. Um, I think what's going to be pretty insane going forward is the Trevor Lawrence hype train. Mm-hmm. We already had Bleacher Report dropping the article how he's going to be the best um, NFL QB prospect ever. He's 19, yeah. um, so I don't really know where else it goes for Trevor Lawrence from here. But down, um, I think he's really good. He's pretty, pretty tall, pretty great. I just don't think how you can go from the greatest NFL prospect ever and not go. I don't know how you. Where do you go from there besides down? I hate to be the yeah. negative guy, but that that's yeah. your expectations going into next year. And that that quote I believe was from Deshaun Watson, who said that um, that he was the he's going to be the best NFL quarterback of all time. Uh, you know, and uh, 
And Lawrence himself at the end of the game, you know, we were talking about this before we were recording. They, you know, the last thing that he said, he was getting interviewed and, and, uh, you know, the reporter said to him, she's like, you know, how many, how many more Super Bowls are you going to win? And he said three, he's like the next three Super Bowls and then I'm out. And then just, and then that was it just walked away. So, um, you know, there is a, there's a huge hype train following him around right now. And I hope that, uh, I hope that he stays as level headed as he did during the game. And as he did all season, um, and doesn't let this kind of thing just, uh, carry him away. You know, like we've seen so many young players, like you look at a, a Johnny Manziel type of guy, right? Like freshman Heisman has the entire world in front of him, could do anything, lets it all go to his head, jumps to the NFL way too early, gets trounced. And, and then that's just the end of it. You're never going to see him again. Right. And so I hope that this kid has a, uh, has a little better mentorship than that from somebody. Yeah, I think looking at it from the Clemson perspective is interesting because they benched Kelly Bryant, who was a good quarterback for them and got them to the Final Four last year. Um, and to make that kind of a change midseason shows a lot of um, you know courage on Dabo's part to say, I've got this guy who's better, and if I don't play him, I'll probably transfer out. And I just was thinking about the other scenario, that what if he kept playing Kelly Bryant Trevor Lawrence transfers out and then just kills it somewhere else for a couple of years. That would have been just all time regrets for Dabo. Yeah. Uh, you can even take that and turn it though. Cause you kind of look at, you know, way things happen is what happens if T- he still plays Kelly Bryant, um, Trevor transfers out and he transfers seems not as good. Right. He's still going to be good, but he's going to have to maybe sits out a year. Now he's, He's really not getting an opportunity until he's 20, 21. So now he's an older prospect. Like the whole scenario change is pretty crazy. Um, but I think both Dabo and Nick do not have an issue of if somebody is better, I'm going to play them. Right. Um, you know, Nick stuck with Jalen Hurts uh, as long as he could. Um, and I had no issue with it. Um, I think Jalen did a hell of a thing by, you know, this is my team. I'm going to stick with them. You know, brought them back in the Georgia game. Right. Couldn't bring him back last night by the time he got in because that game was over. But, um, it was nice to see him get, you know, be able to walk off the field while playing instead of, hey, holding a clipboard. So, yeah, why do you think he, they didn't bring him in earlier? I mean, you know, when Tua went down, that's the reason why they won that the SEC championship game. You think there was anything, you know, at a certain point you would think, you know, you, you're down whatever, you're down 21 points. Yeah, you got to you got to change something up. Why do you why do you guys think they didn't pull the plug on Tua earlier? I would probably just ride or die with. Tua, because I think he's just a decent amount better. But to your point, it wasn't working. It didn't seem like it was going to turn around. Um, so, like, the stubbornness of me would have probably just kept going with him. But what about you, Andy? Uh, I, I think what he did – now, I'm not 100 because, like I said, I didn't catch all of the game. You should be 100% honest. Um, I'm getting old, so I went to bed a little early. Um, so, I'm not knowing exactly when, when he brought Jalen in for the game. I think it was more of a nod it for really Jalen. Yeah, pretty late just for him to be able to walk on the field playing. Hey, it's your last game. You're going to get a chance to get, to get on the field. I, I just think that Tua is a much better quarterback. He can throw the ball a little better. Jalen's a good runner. I, I just don't think even down 21, pulling Tua without him actually being hobbled, being hurt, is, isn't going to do anything besides mess with his ego. Because then it turns into next year. Okay, so Tua struggles coming out the gate. Ooh, when's he going to take him out? I think it just opens a whole can of worms. Like like you said, Dale, I think you ride or die to uh, This isn't a, hey, you know, we've really done nothing for the whole first half like it was last year when they brought Tua in where they just they could not do a thing right in the first half. You know, this was, you know, a, a 
a tip here, a slight bounce here away from being, you know, what did it go half times? 14, 13? Where did it end up? No, they it had a bit more after that. A little bit more. A little bit more. So the, it, they were going score for score there for a bit. Tua was doing fine. Like I said, the pick six hurt him. He made another bad throw. They happen. I think you got to take your young guy, ride or die. I wouldn't take him out. Yeah, and, and kind of just what you're saying, too, I, I think that uh, the momentum just held up for Clemson, you know. Uh, down the stretch there, third and fourth quarter, uh, Justin Ross made a couple of the best catches that anybody's seen in college sports this year, right? So, you know, a couple of double tips to back to himself, like like just tiptoe on the sideline, you know. So they kept getting the lucky breaks, and uh, and the momentum just never shifted over to Alabama. And then, and you know, before you knew it, the thing was over. It was just a runaway train gone out of control. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's one of those when everything's going right, everything is going right. Uh, and kind of more for the Alabama side is things weren't going right. You know, that first pick six, okay, you know, you pick yourself up on the floor, go right back at it. Okay, you know, it's 14-7, you go down, drive, all right, cool, it's going to tie the game up. Oh, God, now we missed a kick. Like, if little things, those things add up, these these guys are, you know, 18 to 22. Maybe the oldest guy's on there 23. Like, those things start creeping into you. And Alabama doesn't get punched in the mouth very often. I'm not saying that they can't handle it. It's just one of those – they don't face that kind of adversity playing that kind of level. Regardless of what you think about their schedule, you know, they play who's in front of them. They're not on the Notre Dame level playing inferior opponents. But, yeah, you know, you, you punch in the mouth like that. There's only so much you could do. And I, I think, it's like, you know, the momentum got you. You were playing a Trevor Lawrence who couldn't make a bad throw. You were playing a Clemson team that had athletes everywhere. So – yeah, I think it just kind of added up on you. You ride or die with Tua. He's going to be your future. But I think one of the things that the most crazy thing I saw last night is you probably in that game alone had the next three number one overall picks. Yeah, that's wild. Between uh, Quentin Williams for Alabama as a defensive tackle, who is reminds me a lot of Aaron Donald. He's nasty good. Um, he was just owning people left and right, owning all Americans at that. So it wasn't like he was just beating, you know, a 19-year-old. UCF or something. Yeah, well, not even UCF. He's not beating, you know, Northwest Mississippi State over here, just beating some kid off the street. You know, he's beating an All-American. You're going to have two is probably going to go first in 2020 because there's really not a whole lot not to like. And then you figure Trevor Lawrence is going first in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when there's been a matchup of two better pro prospect quarterbacks. I was trying to think maybe Vince Young and Matt Leinart. But even then, Vince went – maybe like ninth or something like that. And Liner went 11th when he came out just to have two guys who potentially could go one in each of their years. And if they came out this year, they go one and two um, really is incredible. Even though Tua didn't play his best. I think next year, they're the two teams to be by far. Kind of going off of that point a little bit too. Was it just me or, or was anybody else excited to see Georgia lose that game after talking so much trash about how they should have been in the football playoff. And right. then they go out there against Texas and, uh, you know, definitely a team that's ranked way lower than them and, and had a much worse season than them, and, and they lose the game. Uh, I, I just have a soft spot for when things like that happen. Uh, yeah. You know, and when when you when you start talking a lot of trash and then you get put in your place a little bit, that was that sort of excites me a little bit. Well, it's nice to see them lose to a Big Twelve team. Yeah. That's really, all I cared about is they lost to a Big Twelve team. So it's one of those they they want to talk all this back. Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be there and all. Right. Yeah. And then you got smacked by the people that Oklahoma beat. Yeah, 
you know, Ohio State won. I was kind of hoping they would lose um, just so that would knock that one down. Um, and if you kind of look at the state of college football, I think an eight-game playoff would have done wonders. Uh, you look at how insane the championship game was and how some of those great bowl games were between, you know, the Rose Bowl was pretty good. You know, the Texas game was pretty good. You, we got a chance to see some more. But I guess that's a whole nother podcast discussion of what they should do for the college football playoffs. But I think it's funny that people get so hung up on the criteria for how these teams are selected. Like really what they're looking at is the four best teams. And I know Ryan Rosillo, formerly of ESPN, or I guess currently with ESPN, had a good tweet um, about this talking about he's had the chairman of the playoff committee on his radio show for a while and still on the podcast recently. And he just never wants to get stuck down at any points, like saying that college, that saying that conference championships are an automatic qualifier for the big, for the power five, or, um, you know, we're looking at late season losses versus early season losses, all that kind of stuff. And it seems like people want to have that criteria, you know, explained this year so that it can be applied to future years, but it really is just like as simple as who are the four best teams. And to your point with Georgia, mm-hmm. we just saw them lose to, Alabama. So to see them again in the national title, that's not, or the playoff, that's probably not going to rate as well. Um, but I think it's just simpler than everybody's kind of making it out to be. Um, and having yeah. eight would probably be better. My only concern with eight is that if Clemson or Bama lose a game during the season or lose two games, they probably still get in. Um, so that the regular season maybe is watered down a little bit in terms of the intensity per game and what it, what the stakes are. Um, what are you guys' thoughts about going to eight? Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I just don't think that the I don't think the caliber of the games will be as good at that point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that teams will get in there. Like I, I didn't I didn't think Notre Dame should have been in there, and they proved that they shouldn't have been in there. You know, I think also they're going up against the team that won the national championship. But um, I just think you're going to put teams in there who who then just don't deserve to be in the spot, uh, and then it's going to be it's kind of like watching. Um, you know, you're why I guess also how would they structure it, right? I mean, would it be like one verse eight, two verse yeah. seven, you know, or would it be would they do a, a first round bye for one and two, or you know, they would have to really rework that. And I think that there's a lot of extraneous factors that come into play too when you think about the business of it. Um, because then are those first games like you know, are they all still bowl games? Is it a series of bowl games? And then you have to look at sponsorship dollars and figure out whether watching a one versus an eight is going to get as much advertising dollars as it would, you know, if you were watching maybe two smaller market teams that it's just a better rivalry. Um, so I, th- I think it's a little bit bigger than people think rather than just like, kind of like you said, Dave, it's a little, little bigger than just throwing, you know, another four teams. You can't just make it like one through eight. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and I don't think anyone's ever really going to be happy with what they do. You know, once you make it eight, then you're going to want to make it 12. And then it's pretty much just, you're doing a whole nother season. Right. right. I see that. Um, I'm going to raise you, you know, you talk about things being watered down, things like that. If you look at the mad money machine that March Madness is, how often do we get to the end of college basketball? And be like, oh, man, the team that, won, that, that went all the way didn't, you know, isn't the best team. Now, granted, football's different. Like I said, we try to make sure because, you know, it's basically a 12-week season that all 12 weeks matter. Uh, that's kind of what makes football a little bit different from basketball is that if you lose a game, it's supposed to matter. If you're going to go eight, you take your five conference champions. Um, if you're in a, as, as power five, playing for your conference championship and winning your conference championship should mean something. Um, now it does may get you into the Rose Bowl compared to if you miss the playoffs or something along those kind of lines, which I get. 
Um, you know, if you go your top five power power five conferences, Notre Dame does not count as one of those. So then you have three basically at largest, and I would say you make it so no more than two out of one power five conference could get in. Uh, so instead of arguing about who's four, four and five, now you argue about who's eight and nine. Um, they just adds another layer of intrigue. Easy way to do it is you're just going to cut a couple of the crappy bowl games out of the bottom, um, and just back everything up one more week. So you can still keep all your same stuff, keep all your major bowls. I'm sorry if you lose the Mikey Car Care Bowl or the <laughs> Red Box Bowl or the, That's the West Virginia Staple. We can't lose that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of them. You can you can take away the not to take anything away from like Houston. Well, Houston Army game is actually pretty good, but uh, you know Troy playing North Texas. You can add, you, that bowl can be moved around, and you can find. You need what four more sponsors, to, four more bowls to do a find a sponsorship for. I don't think that's a problem. Uh, you know, you're going to tell me from a rating standpoint that people aren't going to tune in to see all eight, all. It's going to be one, two, three, about eight, eight playoff games or so is what it would end up being. I don't, I don't see why people wouldn't be on board with that. You can dilute the you can dilute it down. I get that. You may get a national champion. You may man, they lost three games, you know, they lost two games and they happen to sweep squeak past an undefeated Clemson. Does it make it the best team? I don't know. Um really just looking for good games, good matchups. Mm-hmm. Really, right play, really the playoffs this year, and I think for most years have gotten the two best teams in there. I think right or wrong change is coming because these commissioners in the power five I don't think they signed up to be left out and those guys and the power that they yield. I can't imagine that three of them missing out this year, the PAC 12, big 12 and big 10 mm-hmm. are going to be thrilled about that. Well, not big 12, that, but... Oh, big, you're right. Big 12. All right. So two of them. Yeah. I, but I think that two of them missing out with Notre Dame taking one of those spots. Um, I think they're going to probably breed change that way. Yeah. For the record that, that uh, Houston army game was 70 to 14. First off, I like seeing Army win some big games, all right? It's not that exciting. Not every day you can see the triple option just run all over people, okay? Uh, that's the game was pretty good. Uh, I just like watching Houston. It cost me Drapple White's job, so. And then Dana Holgerson went down there. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, we talk about the Ocean's Eleven action that happened on that on that move. Um, but I think you're right, Dave. There's a lot of money involved. Nobody really wants to be the guy who's left out. Um Nobody wants to be because we've seen it. You know, the Big Twelve went and made changes, so they couldn't be the people that are left out anymore. So I just had a better chance now by having the Big Twelve title game. What do you guys think? I mean, can anybody contend with Bama and Clemson? Just so before you answer, I did hear a crazy stat today. I was listening to uh, the Dan Levitard show on the way home today, and they were talking about this run that Nick Saban's had at Bama, and that he's had before the last night's game. 106 games he's played in where it's been a 14-point margin or larger, right? So just over double digits, two scores roughly has been the winning margin. He's never lost one of those games, 106, 106 and 0. Um, so that just speaks to how he's never been beaten like that at Bama. And to do yeah. that on that national stage um, by a larger margin than 14 is just incredible. I don't think anybody saw that coming. There were some folks that picked Clemson. Um, I was rooting for them, but I really didn't think they were going to win. Um, I think they're kind of leaps and bounds above everybody else. But I guess, do you think anybody in the next couple of years can make a run here, whether it's Georgia, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, though they don't have their Heisman quarterback? Yeah, I don't think that uh, I don't think that the the huge loss is going to 
hit Saban maybe as hard. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's he's sort of he's like he just seems like that guy who um, you know that kind of stuff. He's prepared for that kind of stuff as much as as much as you can be. You know, I mm-hmm. think that even though he had like you said 106 games that that he he never had that happen in. Um, he just doesn't seem like the guy who gets on a really high horse. You know, he doesn't seem like he has that sense of egotistic pride, man. And, and I really think that he bounces back from that, taking it on himself as a learning lesson. Um, he's not going to put it on the guys. Uh, you know, I, I really just see him learning the lesson from that and coming back stronger, which is even more dangerous, right? Um, the fact that he's going to watch the tape from that and figure out how he could have gotten around Clemson's defense and how, they could have prevented some of those bigger plays um, and just what they could have done. And, and that's going to make the the whole team a lot more dangerous. But if you look at the rest of the, you know, the, some of the teams that had big runs this year, you know, there was a time where we were talking about Michigan being in the college football playoff, right? They got, they lost by 30 points and lost by, um, yeah, you know, close to 30 points. Right. And, you know, same thing with you know, Ohio state lost to Purdue that one game by like 40 points. So, it's that's the thing about Clemson and Alabama that uh, and even really Georgia that you don't see uh, that they, they just don't do. They don't have that one big blow up game during the season uh, where they just, you know, where everyone's talking about them being so good and you just know it's going to crash. And that's what's always kind of bummed me out about the Big Ten, you know, being a Penn State fan as well, is that you just you just know that Penn State's going to crash. You know that no matter they could rank them number eight pre-rank and they could have a good couple of first games and they might even beat Ohio state or Michigan, one of the games, right. But they're not going to beat both of them. And then Michigan state's going to come along and beat them out of nowhere. So the big 10 just doesn't have that ability to put a consistent season all the way together for a team, um, at least that I've seen. And so, you know, I, maybe the big 12 would be the the next conference that's going to really rival them. Um, I mean, Texas beating Georgia was huge especially after losing to Oklahoma and Oklahoma did actually put up a really good game against Alabama. They gave up 21 points in the first quarter. But if you look at the game outside of that, Oklahoma won the game, right? They just, and and they were talking about it on TV right before the game started. They said the only way Oklahoma wins this game is if they prevent Bama from scoring a ton of points right off the bat. And that's the only thing that they didn't do, right? Because quarter two, three, and four, they outscored them and they they held Bama to a reasonable amount of points. But when it's 21 to nothing right off the bat, that's a huge hole to dig yourself out of, even if you got, you know, a stud baseball player as your quarterback. So uh, it it was good to see them a lot closer of a game, though, than you might have thought. And then to see Texas beat Georgia. um, I mean, I, I would love to see either of those teams really start. I would love to see both those teams in the college football playoff next year, um, you know, and make it start to bring the big 12, maybe the two of them have Clemson and well, I guess you're going to have to have them in there too, but I'd love to see a big 10 team just represent. But, but I think the big 12 is probably the closest. I don't know. Andrew. It's uh, and I was listening to a little bit of the Will Kane show on the way home. Uh, Why? Yeah. <laughs> because I haven't been skimming through and they were talking really what you're going to see, I think in college football is the programs that spend a ton of money. Um, so your Texas, your Georgia, uh, a Michigan, Ohio state with what they've been doing, the, the, the guys that really spend a good chunk of money are the ones that are going to succeed. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, Alabama, Clemson, those guys, they all pull in great classes. So there's not a whole lot of difference there. Um, and I haven't been able to verify this, but they were talking that Nick Saban's gone through like 20 coaches in the last three years. 
uh, where Dabo Sweeney's only gone through three. So there's some continuity to Clemson that's doing really well. Uh, like I said, I haven't fact-checked those, so I, I could be way wrong. I just know Nick's not the easiest guy to work with, but he's a winner. Um, before last night's game, if you're going back, I think the last three years together, they were like 55-2. and two. Each each side one had lost two games if you take out losses not to each other. Um, so they're both well, I think, leaps and bounds above. Um, but, like, you know, with a playoff, you give Oklahoma another five minutes on the game, they probably beat Alabama. Um, you know, you change that Syracuse-Clemson game by a few minutes, Syracuse beat Knoxville Clemson. So I think a lot of schools are close to being there. It's just a matter of being hot at the right time, um, making your run to get in the playoffs. And we've kind of seen it. At, there's always one or two games in a season that you've got to get the bounces to go your way. Um, so if you get those bounces to go your way, you get a win here or there, and you – show up in the playoffs, anything's possible. But I think Clemson and Alabama round five is probably what you're looking forward to next year. I'd agree. I don't think it's going to be an upset if one of them um, doesn't win the title next year. I like Ohio State a lot, even without Urban Meyer. Um, Ryan Day, they hired from within, keeps a lot of the same system in place, and they just got a huge transfer um, for losing Haskins to the draft. I mean, talk about that in a second because he just posted that picture of him wearing a Giants uniform, which I've never seen a player do before the draft but they're losing Haskins who was terrific for them but they just got Justin Fields who was a five-star quarterback recruit and um he in Georgia he sat behind from for a couple years and made the decision to transfer and he's pursuing um some kind of transfer rule where he can a hardship rule where he can start immediately I'm not exactly sure what hardship he's had but um interesting to see what they do there at Ohio State and then Steve to your point there's two big 12 schools Oklahoma and Texas um, Tom Herman has it rolling at Texas right now. They're really building, and Sam Ellinger is a really good quarterback. Um, they're losing some receivers and some other pros to the draft, but they'll definitely be up there. And then I can't wait to see who Oklahoma brings in as the next quarterback. They've had back-to-back Heisman winners, which is incredible. Uh, it seems like Kyler Murray is going to go play baseball, and if he doesn't do that, maybe I'll put his name in the NFL draft. Um, so those are kind of my teams to watch. Do we know how – how Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia can all get so many five-star recruits every single year? Like, how are they doing this? How, how they, are they? They're they all in the same area, they, right? They, I mean, but you look at um, yeah, look, look at look at Big Ten schools, right? Like, you know, you have some Big Ten schools who there has to be the same amount of people in the areas, right? And and you would think that that you would be able to get people to go to Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan who at least are, you know, maybe not the same amount of five-star recruits, but, you know, more than just uh, two, right? I mean, I don't know where all these people are coming from. It just seems like the SEC can always grab that many people, those three schools in particular, in such a tight little area. Yeah, I think at this point, Clemson and Alabama specifically, um, you look at Georgia and LSU, the, the higher echelon teams have national appeal. Um, it's not as big a deal now to go to – you know, Alabama and be out in Alabama and, 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 or head out to, you know, LSU and have to be in those kind of places where, cause you've got the internet, you've got everything now. So it's not like, Hey, it used to be, if you went to happy Valley, you were out in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing going on in happy Valley, but happy Valley. So like they, you get some folks from, you know, Southern California is not going to want to go to happy Valley. Now you, with everything you've got, I don't think that makes a huge difference. I think winning breeds winning. Um, so if you're looking at, you know, if you've got an opportunity, you're one of the best players in the country, do you want to go 
to Alabama, play with some of the best, also the best players in the country, and probably have a shot to win multiple national championships if that matters to you, or really improve your draft stock if, if you want to make it to the next level, which I think a lot of those five-star recruits are looking at, yes, college is important, but where am I going to make sure I do the best to get to the next level? Um, a lot of them are looking, you know, that's their way out, which is great. So I, I think, you know, it's not that Ohio State's not pulling recruits. They're pulling recruits. Um, you know, USC pulls recruits all the time. They're making it good. They're also going through a lot of coaching changes. Dabo's been in place for quite a while. Nick's been in place for a while. Because um, I do remember the Orange Bowl beatdown where Dabo was talking about how Clemson's defense was going to be talking tonight. They were because they gave up 70 to West Virginia. Can't can't ever let that one go because I, I live down here not that far from Clemson territories. So they like to talk about that all the time. Um, but I, th- I think, you know, winning a winning culture with a really great coach that's going to prepare you to A, win national titles, or B, get you go pro, says a lot for what folks are looking for. Adding on to what you just said, um, every Nick Saban SEC recruiting class has won at least one national title, both at LSU and Bama. So at LSU, they won uh, titles in 03 and 07. Les Miles te- technically won that one, but it was saving recruits. And then at Bama from 2007 to now, they've won at least one for every class if they stay there for four years, which is remarkable. Yeah, yeah. so you're guaranteed, uh, you're guaranteed a ring. Yeah, so Alabama. Well, you sign with Nick. Here, here, go ahead and sign the paperwork, and what size ring do you want? Because we're going to win at least one. Which is which is insane because I mean you got to realize Nick Saban is the greatest college college football coach of all time. There is no argument at that point. No, his pro stint with the Dolphins doesn't tarnish any of that. But as we let's go, let's make one last thing here before as we get ready to wrap up. Uh, kind of piggybacking because we started with pros, we went to college, and this kind of transitions as a lot of guys are declaring. Um, Haskins put out it was on Twitter, or Instagram. Which one was it? I saw it on Twitter. All right, so we we all saw it on Twitter of him in a Giants jersey. It's pretty ballsy to just come out and say, hey, I'm going pro and I'm playing for the Giants. Yeah. He stole it from the New York Post or something, but it's just crazy to put his stamp of approval on it. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we're, it's it's just a super bold move, especially when the per, you know, and I'm in no way, shape, or form on Eli Manning fan. I think he's extremely washed up, and I don't even know if he's rated at all, but if he is, he's overrated. But – He's still a two-time Super Bowl champion, right? And so to put that out there, I mean, it's it's just really gutsy. Um, when you just declare for the draft, you're already picking the team that you think you want to go to. Dave, I think you mentioned before that they're, they're not even a top-five team, right? They're seven yeah. or eight in the draft order. Um, so he's projecting himself to fall down to seven or eight in the draft order and to take a guy's job who – the coach of the Giants has already said that, you know, Eli is our man and I've had a conversation with him and we're sticking with him for now. And, you know, I mean, they say a lot of things, but still um, it's not like they've said, you know, we're shopping around the draft for a new quarterback. Uh, but it would be interesting to see him to play with Saquon Barkley up there in New York. We open things up for Eli too. We can get into a whole debate about the legitimacy of Eli, Eli Manning. And yes, he didn't win two titles, but if you really go back and look, he has done nothing else besides those two runs. Um, just remember Joe Flacco elite went on a run, got himself a ring and a hefty contract. Um, it's just, it's, you don't see it very often where you've got a guy who comes out and says, I want to play for this team. This is who I want to play for. Um, the thing that will piss me off the most, if that actually does happen is the Saquon Barclay pick will look like it was justified 
because now we've still got our quarterback and we got one of the best running backs. We're honestly drafting Saquon Barkley where they did was a mistake. Regardless of how good he is, the draft capital, what they could have got, total, total, shouldn't have done it. Um, so they shouldn't get a pass by that for being bad one more year and suddenly get a great quarterback to go along with it. However, it would have wasted a year to be the one. I, I just think it's just, I have no issue with it, honestly. Like Haskins will come out and say, hey, screw it. I'm going to double down. I really want to be a giant. More power to you, man. It's nice to see some guys with have an opinion, not give me the same cookie cutter canned answers I'm going to get till pretty much the rest of their careers. Um, because, you know, they tend to give you the same, well, yeah, I really just want to be part of the process and, be, you know, join a great team and I really want to make everybody better. And, you know, I'm just really looking forward to making an opportunity in my impact. Like, he's like, no, nah, screw it. I want to play for Giants. I see. Yeah, I, love it. I mean, yeah, to come out, like you said, and say it doesn't hurt anything. And it seems like the NFL in particular, more than other pro sports for the quarterback, just like it beats that personality out of you. Um, I know Levitard did a thing a while back with Tannehill on the radio where they had him just – spew off cliche after cliche talking about a generic upcoming game that they had against like team X. And it was great because he could just go on for days about, um, you know, they're really strong on defense. They move a lot of guys around. They really scheme to you. And it was just the same kind of crap we hear all the time. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a quarterback, just go through all that, go through the motions. Like that was kind of eye opening. Yeah. Giants yeah. six is where they're at. Six. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think, uh, It'd be funny if he's, you know, in talks or, you know, I guess he's not probably can't be in talks with other teams right now, but it would be funny to see him end up going to another team and, uh, and then sort of have to retract that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it is, it, it is something that you don't see as much anymore. Something that maybe isn't as PC. Right. Um, but it's, it's cool to see a guy have an opinion and, you know, I, I mean, we all grew up wanting to play pro sports, pretty much all pro sports. And, and it's, you know, you had your favorite team and you always envisioned yourself in that, Philadelphia Eagles jersey and so I think that it's okay to still have a team that you would want to play for right and and there's a difference between having a preference and then knowing that it's a job right so he's he's saying his you know saying that he's hoping to play for the Giants and he also tweeted look at now you you better believe I'm going to win a Super Bowl uh, is what he said which is another you know another another childhood dream of everybody but I think that when it all comes down to it he's going to be he's going to be happy to go anywhere and he's going to approach it same way he did at Ohio State which is, uh, you know, like, this is my job. This is what I have to do. Um, yeah, I'm good with it. Um, so that pretty much wraps us up. Um, unless anybody's got any else they want to add before we kind of shut her down. Um, I do want to thank you, Steve, for coming on. Uh, it's been great to have the three of us just sit back, talk a little football. Uh, we're taking a good little break here from, you know, pounding the heavy analytics to just kind of talk some sports, uh, which is great. I uh, appreciate Steve. He's coming in live from California here for this. So we appreciate him uh, working his schedule in for us. Uh, again, this is the Evolution Sports Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at DrewFerraro88. Uh, you can find the podcast at Evo Sports Pod. Um, Dave, where can they find you? Sure, at DSanders877. And uh, you got any plugs you want to throw in there, Steve? Well, we got you. Uh, I, I, I don't – no plugs, but I just wanted to say thanks, you guys, so much for uh, for having me on. Um, you know, it's, it's always real fun talking sports with you guys. You guys are super knowledgeable and – I always leave the conversation learning a lot more than I brought to it. So um, hopefully I contributed and, and I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Looking forward to the next one. No, we appreciate it. Glad to have you. And uh, that'll be it for us here on volume eight of the evolution sports podcast.